Thanks for tuning in to 318 Live Podcast. If this is your first time, we want you to know that you are loved. And we're praying for you. We're praying that each message will encourage you no matter what journey you find yourself in. We hope you enjoy this message. Hey, have you ever had anything taken from you? Has that ever happened to you? That happened to me a few months ago in the great country of uh, Sweden. I was, uh, I was late for school one day, and so I don't have a car or anything. I, uh, I use public transportation every day. Multiple hours every day, I'm on some form of public transportation, and oftentimes I am late for said public transportation. So one morning, I had left my apartment, and I realized I had about two minutes to make it to the bus stop for I was going to be left behind, late for school, kicked out of the country, and all the bad things that come along with that. So I, I do this run. I have a shameless run in Sweden. Like here, if you need a hurry, you kind of like, you brisk walk? No, not in Sweden. Like, who cares? You sprint. All ages, all genders, everyone's done it. And when it's snowing, you see people fall and slip all the time. Thankfully, it wasn't snowing. So anyways, I'm running to the bus stop. I get on the bus, and I do the same routine every time I step onto the bus. I check all of my pockets and make sure I have everything. I always go, like, because I keep stuff in my back pockets too, like, I like, got my wallet, okay, got my phone, got my keys, got my all that, you know, you just go through the routine of checking stuff, and so I go through, I go through my routine, I hop, I hop on the train, the bus, and I go, and then I go, I'm missing something, then I'm sticking my hands in my pocket, I'm trying to be real sure, I go through all of my pockets, and I'm like, I'm missing my cell phone. This is not good because I'm almost 100% confident that I left my apartment with my cell phone, have not forgot it to date, don't think I started today. So I get off at the next bus stop and shamelessly run back to my apartment. I'm like, instead of running to catch the bus, I'm like running against time. I go to the bus stop, I retrace my steps all the way to my apartment. I get inside my compartment. I open up my laptop. I turn on, find my phone. I track it down, and there it is. I see my phone on someone else's bus. It's not my bus, and it's roaming through the city. So instantly, I lock my phone, and I put up a really friendly message on the screen that says this. Hey, it's Daniel. Thanks for picking up my dropped iPhone. I really appreciate it. If you could call this number, and I gave my, the people I live with's number. So if you could call this number, I would love to arrange a time to meet up with you and take back my phone. Love, Daniel. Like, I was real nice because, like, you don't want to make the enemy mad. You know what I mean? And everyone's a suspect right now. And so anyways, I just, you know, I shut my computer, I go to school, didn't listen to music on the way to school, that's fine, had no way to listen to music, didn't matter. I got to school, opened up my laptop, keep tracking my phone. I find out where this person works, because they stopped somewhere for a real long time, about a nine to five to be exact. And so I sat here, and I start watching this phone all day. At lunchtime, walks across the street, comes back. I'm watching them, and I'm just kind of thinking, like, what am I going to do? 
Like, how, how am I going to get my phone back? But at the same time, I've never felt more alive. I'm like, I'm like encouraging myself. I'm like, Daniel, you were born for this. Like, go, go to that, the place of where they work. I looked them up online. I was looking at how many employees they had. I was looking at everything. I was like, should I call the place? Should I do whatever? But I was like, you were born for this. You're going to get back your phone. No one takes your iPhone. That's good. That's good. So anyways, I called my friend Ben. I said, Ben, I've got an adventure for us. I said, you see, I dropped my iPhone on the way to school, and someone picked it up, locked them out, gave them a nice message, called them. They didn't answer. They didn't return any calls or texts, have not given me any indication that they are friendly or foe. I said, so I've got an idea. And he's like, lay it on me, bro. This is exciting. He's like, I'm like, this is what we're going to do. I said, I'm going to come to your house after work, after school. I said, we're going to wait at your house until we see my phone moving back to my apartments. Because I know this dude lives in my apartment complex. I just don't know who he is. And it's a pretty big complex, too. So I don't know exactly where he lives, but I've got a general idea of where he lives. So Ben's like, man, that's a great idea. Let's do it. Oh, this is so exciting. I was like, I know, bro. What if we beat him up? I'm joking. We can't do it. We would go to jail in Sweden. You can't do that in Sweden because they're all. Anyways, so, so we go to, um, <clears throat> like I said, we, I go to his house. We're tracking the phone. And then right before it's time to leave, he's got a car. So we're just going to drive there, cut him off because it takes a long time to travel by train. I said this. I said, all right, bro, are you ready? And he's like, oh, man, uh, Christina's not going to let me go. That's his wife. And I'm like, that's fine. I was like, I'll do it by myself. I was like, I can, t- I can take him. That's fine. I don't care. It could be a girl. I could take her. Not afraid. Absolutely not afraid. Um, I said, that's cool. He's like, but, he said, but you can borrow my phone. I'd already logged on to my account on his phone. He's like, you can borrow my phone. You can borrow my car. So just do whatever you want. And I said, okay. I ran out to the car. I don't know how to drive to my house because I don't drive in Europe, okay? So I'm like, um, <laughs> this is Stockholm too. It's like a capital city. It's not like, we're not in Benton here, you know? You can't just take three roads and stumble upon it. And I was like, um, okay, well, Okay, so I get out there, and, I'm, and I type in this address, and I'm like, man, nothing is loading on this stupid phone. So I just start driving. I was like, if I don't drive right now, I'm going to be late. My phone's going to get away. This is going to be the worst day of my entire life. But if I get my phone back, this is going to make a really good story. So anyways, I go, and I start driving, and I'm not getting anything. So I'm like, man, I'm, I'm going to call Christina and, and, and see what's up. I call Christina, and I'm like, Ben. I was like, your phone is not loading anything. He's like, oh, yeah. He's like, I forgot to tell you, I'm out of data. What am I supposed to do without data? I'm literally tracking down my phone. Don't even know how to get to my apartment. He's like, oh, it's no problem. He says, it's no problem. He said, a five-digit number texted me a few days ago. Go to that number and just top her off. I don't know what this means. I've got unlimited. I don't know. So I go through the text. I'm driving. And what I think is the right direction, I'm driving, I'm texting, I'm talking, and I find the text, and I put one gig of data on it. Instantly, it starts working. I hang up on him. I start loading it. I'm still on time. I drive to my apartment. Here is my plan because I know the bus stop that this guy got on. And so I thought, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to wait here at this bus stop. 
and I'm going to follow my phone all the way around the train, uh, the, the bus uh, path. And whenever the bus stops, I'm going to set off the alarm. There's an alarm button. That's a pretty cool feature. So anyways, I was like, I'm going to set off this alarm like crazy, and I'm just going to be like listening for it. And then I'll, I'm just going to confront them. Like, I got to get my phone back because I knew that if my phone gets back inside of an apartment, I'm never going to see it again. So anyways, I'm sitting there, and I'm watching the phone. The phone gets on the bus. I'm literally, like, on the, and I can see in Sweden, they have these big digital readers of what time, what buses are arriving. So I know what bus they're on because of where they came from and what time um, my phone is traveling around this, this loop. So anyways, and sometimes if you ever do find my iPhone, it lags a little bit. And so I'm loading it, I'm steady refreshing it, got plenty of battery, everything's working perfectly. My heart is beating out of my chest. I was like, what if this person is angry? I was like, I don't care, I'll, I don't care, I'll beat him up. <laughs> so anyways, I'm reloading it, and uh, it gets like caught, you know, like that, where it, it's not loading anymore, and I'm like, come on, and it's like coming up quick, and then all of a sudden, here comes the bus, so I just stop. I kind of like, I mean, I'm like as casual as you can with like waiting on the bus without getting on. And about 12 people get off the bus. And I start, I'm railing that alarm. Like I'm so excited right now. I'm like, doo -doo 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 -doo. so I'm hitting this button and I'm like, like I don't, I don't hear nothing. And then I start, I'm stereotyping. I'm going towards the sketchiest looking people like, People with backpacks, big jackets, everything. And I'm like, and then I followed this entire pack of people across the street. I'm like, I can't hear anything. I'm like, what is happening? And so anyways, I look, and the guy had gotten off on the bus stop right before and was walking towards our apartment complex in a different direction. So I just take off running, shameless, 100 miles per hour. I'm running as fast as I can to our apartments because I'm like, if this guy gets on, my life is over. Like, so anyways, I'm tracking him, and he's like in the middle of the complex. I'm like 50 yards out. I'm like sprinting. I'm going as fast as anyone's probably ever run, ever. And, uh, and so anyways, I like, he's like, I see which building he's going to, and so I just put away my phone because I'm like, I'm just going to find this guy, and I round the corner. I see this guy. He sees me. He starts running from me. I start taking after this guy. I'm like, no, you don't. He's running. He drops a shoe. I pick up his shoe and chunk it at his head. He falls into the dirt, blood everywhere. That didn't happen. I know that didn't happen. That's how I wanted it to happen. That's, that's really in my heart, that's how it happened. But what actually happened is I rounded the corner and the man went inside the building. <laughs> I know. So I just, I sat there. I was so defeated. I was just like, done. So anyways, I called him. He answered. He was probably afraid because I set off the alarm 8,000 times. And I said, hey, I'm, I'm the guy who owns the phone. I was like, you might know that about me. He's like, no, it's been locked out all day. I said, I said uh, can, I, can I take my phone back? And he's like, he's like, yeah, where do you want to meet up? I said, I'm outside your door. <laughs> so he said, okay, I'll be there in a second. So he came. He handed me the phone, and I took it back. Take it back. Say, take it back. Take it back. Take it back. You know what? While we can get, like, really passionate sometimes 
about taking back things that are stolen from us physically. Sometimes we can get really lethargic about taking things back that are taken from us spiritually. And I just feel like I'm on assignment from the Holy Spirit tonight to tell you to take it back. Just take it back. Whatever it is, take it back. John 10.10 says this. It says, the thief's purpose is to steal kill and destroy, but my purpose, Jesus' purpose, is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I want to give you a little background story on Satan real quick. So whenever, whenever Satan was in heaven, his name was actually Lucifer. So in case you didn't know it, before Satan was Satan, Satan was Lucifer, and Lucifer was an archangel in heaven. That just means he had a whole lot of authority, and about a third of the angels were underneath him. Those third of the angels are actually now demons, and yes, they do exist. But the Bible says this. The Bible says that, that Satan, that Lucifer, was a worship leader. So, like, his, he, he was a worship leader. And the thing about worship leaders is everyone loves worship leaders. You know what I mean? Like, no one cares for the preacher. Everyone loves the worship leaders. And so Satan was that guy. Like, everyone loved him. They thought he was great. They thought he was awesome. But not only that, the Bible describes Satan as very beautiful. They said Lucifer was the most beautiful angel there was. Best we can tell, Scripture describes him as 5'8", 5'9", with certain shoes, skinny jeans, glasses, denim jacket. Need I continue? He's an attractive guy. You can't... <laughs> Anyways. His body's an instrument. The <laughs> Yo, play that back. It says his body is an instrument. He actually, his very being is an instrument. He's beautiful. He's majestic, and out of all of his being is worship sent up to God. And then what happens is Lucifer steals God's worship, and he gets cast out of heaven along with the third of the angels that followed him. Do you know those people who, whenever they get in trouble, they act like the punishment was their idea? Like, have you ever seen that? Like, someone gets in trouble, they act like the punishment was their idea? Like, maybe you see it with kids. It happens a lot with kids. Like, you know, someone, like, at the dinner table talking back to their parents. And they're like, shut up and eat your broccoli. And the kid's like, I really love broccoli. You can't, I love broccoli. Ah, this is so good right now. I feel so healthy. I love it. Or, like, go sit in timeout. Like, you can't put me in timeout. This is the land of my people. They love me here. I'm go, I was already heading to timeout. Can't put me in timeout. That's where I'm going. Anyways, that's, that is 100%, I believe, what Satan is like. Think about it. Because in heaven, everything is perfect. I mean, perfect. He was in the, the, the explicit presence of God for eternity. He, would, he just existed. And, and there was perfect love. There was perfect peace. There was perfect joy. Everything was perfect. Whenever Satan got cast down, he didn't just receive lesser joy, lesser love, lesser peace. He was actually separated completely from anything that was good and everything that was God. If you think about it, Satan was stripped of 
everything that would ever fulfill him in his entire life. I'm convinced that Satan is in fact so empty and so broken and so lonely and so hurting and such a liar. He's putting up a front. This is great. Like, this life is great. Like, I love it. Like, party in hell. Like, every once in a while, I'll talk to someone in uh, Sweden who doesn't know Jesus. And he's like, even if uh, God is real, you know, I'd rather be in hell because that's where everyone was real. That's where everyone was, like, true to themselves. And I'm like, you're, like, you're an idiot. Like, you're joking about eternity? Like, you might be here, like, 85 years. You know what I mean? Like, that's the rest of eternity. That's, that's a long time to say you want to be in hell because people were real to themselves which actually isn't even true. In heaven, life was perfect. Satan knew perfect love, perfect peace, perfect joy, and he lived eternally in God's presence. Now he's removed from it. He actually has none of it. Satan acts like he's in control, but he's actually insecure. He has literally nothing to secure himself to, which is why I'm convinced that Satan and his bunch of empty loser demons, excuse me for like using like, like juvenile language, but it's actually true. I'm convinced that Satan and all of his demons, the only time they can have joy, the only time they can have peace, the only time they can know love, the only time they can feel health is when they take it, when they take it from you. You see, because an exchange takes place. This is, this is what we see in Matthew 12, 43 and 44. It says, when an evil spirit, that's a demonic spirit, when an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into the desert seeking rest. That means this demon is actually tired. So this demon is like, man, I'm so tired. Man, and they're looking around the desert. Would be plenty of places to rest. Can find nothing. He's looking around, where, where can I rest? I'm exhausted, I'm weak, I'm all this, I'm looking for something, where can I rest? And then this is what it says. It says it finds none, then it says, I will return to the person I came from. So it returns and finds its former home empty, swept, and in order. And whenever the demon occupies said person again, they now have rest. The Holy Spirit spoke to me one day while I was just riding the bus and, and praying. And he said, demons can only find rest in people. You know, demons can only find love in people. Demons can only find anything a demon has or possesses, it can only be found in people. So here's the thing. Demons don't have rest, so they take yours. Like demons don't have purity, so they take yours. Demons don't have health, so they take yours. Demons don't have power, so they take yours. Demons don't have love, peace, or joy, so they take yours. But guess what? It's time to take it back. You don't have to give it to them for eternity. You don't have to give it to them forever. Yes, something got stolen from you. Yes, something was taken. Yes, it hurts. It's painful. It's not fun. But you can take it back. You can take back. Take it back. Take back everything that the enemy has taken from you. He's not over you. He's under you. He's not powerful. He's actually pitiful. He's not in control. He is, in fact, insecure. And you 
are everything he wants. You are the express image of Christ. You are the image of who he can no longer be and what he no longer has. Take it back. Take it back. Take it back. Take it back. It's time to take it back. So I know you're, you're sitting here and you're like, wow, that's really inspirational. Maybe I haven't even thought about that before. Cool. How do I do that? That's probably the question I'm like, okay, how do I take it back? Well, I want to rephrase this question. It's not how do I take it back. It's who. It's who can take it back. Because if we go back to the original passage of Scripture, let's look at this. Let, let's, let, me even, let me start at the beginning. This is what it says. Then a demon-possessed man. He's not a zombie. Like head, eyeball flaunt. That's not it. He's literally a man that a demon lives inside. And so this is what it says. It says, then a demon-possessed man who was blind and could not speak. What that means is whenever this demon possessed this man, it manifested itself in blindness and in muteness. Guess what? Whenever demons possess someone, and I don't mean you have zero control over your being or body or you're a zombie or you're out of control or anything like that, it literally means that a spirit is kind of influencing you in a heavy way or controlling you in a heavy way. Demons always manifest themselves differently. This particular demon manifested itself in the area of health. Guess what? There are other demons. Maybe you're familiar with them. It's the demon of addiction, potentially the demon of pornography, maybe the demon of gluttony. I don't know what it is for you. I don't know what it is in your life that you can't kick or you can't get away from or you feel influenced to the nth degree because of, but there is something that has taken your purity, something that has taken your joy, something that has taken your rest, someone that has taken your peace and exchanged it for something. Because whenever a demon leeches off of your identity, you begin leeching off of theirs. An exchange takes place. That's what we see here. An exchange had taken place. There's no telling how this man contracted said demon. We, we, don't, we don't know anything about his past, but we do know this, that at some point in his life, this man had picked up an evil spirit, and this evil spirit manifested itself in blindness and in muteness. And it says this, he was brought to Jesus, and he healed the man so that he could both speak and see. Now, you might could argue, well, it didn't say he cast the demon out. It didn't say that. He said he healed him. So this man was probably naturally born like this. And, of course, Jesus, the worker of miracles, heals him and allows him to see and speak. But I, I want you to notice something. All it says is that he healed the man so he could both see and speak. And then if we drop down to verse 24, it says, But when the Pharisees heard about the miracle, they said, No wonder he can cast out demons. It didn't say no wonder he can heal people. It said no wonder he can cast out demons. And their logic is because we can't do it and we think we're great. This man shouldn't be able to do it. I bet he's getting his power from Satan. Like that, and, and by the way, when, whenever someone is under the influence of, 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 of a religious spirit or a demonic spirit, there will always be some sort of reason or justification why they can't and someone else can, and it's always their fault. 
It's always covered with, with shame or accusation or anything like that. So don't let anyone throw off your walk with God just because they're not where you are. You know what I mean? Oh, well, yeah, she goes to that church, and you know what they believe at that church. They handle snakes and whatnot, you know. No, she's one of the snake handler. Saw that in a movie one time. Will Ferrell. <laughs> I haven't seen that movie, by the way. I just heard about it. <laughs> Don't let them throw you off. Don't let them throw you off. That's them. So we see that this man who was demon-possessed had manifested in blindness and muteness. And then they accused Jesus they accused Jesus of being the prince of demons, and that's why he could heal the man or, or really deliver the man from this demonic possession. And then Jesus gives them like just a brilliant exhortation of why their logic is completely flawed, because that's what Jesus does best. And then he ends with this statement, and he says, For who is powerful enough to enter the house of a strong man like Satan and plunder his goods? He said, only someone even stronger, someone who could tie him up and then plunder his house. I just want to maybe turn, turn your attention to maybe something you didn't notice about this verse. Apparently, Satan has a house. And obviously, there is something in this house of value based off of Jesus' words right here. Now, I just want to point this out real quick. Satan was cast down, and everything of value he had was stripped away. That means that anything of value in said house mentioned in that scripture actually belongs to you and I. And so now the answer to your question, how, which we changed to who, is actually answered in the last part of this verse where it says, who is powerful enough to enter the house of a strong man like Satan and plunder his goods or take it back? This is what it says, only someone even stronger, someone who could tie him up and plunder his house. And what Jesus is saying is, I'm actually the only one powerful enough that he just steps up and he says, yeah, no one was powerful enough to heal that man and make that man be able to talk again due to the casting out of demons, but I am. No one is powerful enough to break your addiction. Like, no one is powerful enough to restore your purity. No one is powerful enough to give you the feeling of wholeness whenever you wake up in the morning. I know what that's like, and I know a lot of you guys do too. Whenever you wake up in the morning and you're like, what am I doing? You wake up in the morning and you're like, I'm so empty right now. I'm so missing. The thing is, it, 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 did, not, it did not disappear. Your, your fullness for life, your joy, your love, your peace did not just disappear. It was actually taken, and there is some loser demon who got kicked out of hell that has stolen your joy and is scared to death to ever lose it. He's stealing from you. He's stealing from you. It's time to take it back. You've got to take it back. You've got to take it back. Jesus gives that power to take it back. I mean, if we, if we flip over to, to Acts chapter 1, I mean, like, if we just get really practical real quick, and the band can come back up. I'm, I'm landing the plane. 
But this is what it says, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It says, but you will receive power. You will receive, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So it's the power of the Holy Spirit that empowers you to take back what the enemy has stolen. But even if we want to flip, flip back to the Gospels real quick, we can look at chapter Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. It says this, Jesus called his 12 disciples together and gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and heal every kind of disease and illness. In John's gospel, I think it's chapter 9, whenever he says this, it says, and Jesus gave them power and authority to cast out all evil spirits and heal all diseases. Jesus gives power. If we want to flip over to Acts chapter 19, it says this in verse 11. It said, God gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles. God gives power. And this power is to be used not only to spread the gospel and, and, and to display the expressed image of Jesus Christ to the entire world, but this power is also used to take back what the enemy has stolen. I'll take you to one more passage of scripture where someone's actually trying to, trying to deliver someone from a demon. Some of you guys might be familiar with this. Maybe you've just read over it before. But it's, um, it's, in, uh, it's in Acts 19, that same chapter. And then it's verse 13. It says this, a group of Jews were traveling from town to town casting out evil spirits. That's what they were doing. They were just walking around casting out evil spirits. And it said they tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus in their incantation, saying, I command you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, to come out. The seven sons of Sceva, a leading priest, were doing this. But one time when they tried it, the evil spirit replied, I know Jesus, and... Uh, and I know Paul, but who are you? <laughs> like this evil spirit's just like, who are you? Like you're not even like known in the spiritual world. <laughs> like no one knows your name. Like who are you? And there's seven of them. And it says this, then the man with the evil spirit leaped on them, check this word, overpowered them leapt on them. The evil spirit through this man leapt on them and overpowered them and attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house naked and battered. Who took their clothes? The demon. I was kind of joking with that. It's like an exchange takes place. This demon beat them up. <laughs> Who took their clothes? Someone needs to put that on Twitter. I'm joking. Now, now here, here's what here's where I'm gonna here's where I'm gonna end on. Okay, so if you know someone, you generally know the people that they hang out with. Like I know Lewis's friends, even the ones who I don't hang out with. Why? Because I see them with Lewis. Like they're hanging out with Lewis and I see Lewis and I know Lewis and I see them with Lewis. So therefore I know them through Lewis. In Acts chapter 19, 
this demon says this. He says, I know Jesus and I know Paul, but who are you? He literally just has no idea who, this, who, the, who these men are. And the reason why they were overpowered and the reason their dignity and clothes got taken from them was because they had never hung out with Jesus. And newsflash, Paul did not physically ever hang out with Jesus, but he did spiritually. And all the demons knew about it. Man, that, that guy, Paul, I've seen him with Jesus. So whenever Paul was casting out demons, with, Paul, with the, the power that God had given Paul, they would flee, they would be healed. But not these guys, because they weren't hanging out with Jesus. Let's get really practical. There are things in your life that have been taken from you. There are things, in, and they're coming to your mind right now. You're like this, this, this. I used to feel like this. At my high point, I felt like this. Once, I felt like this. Whenever I was really good with God, I felt like this. I remember all these things. Maybe you can look back, and, and maybe if you've never received Jesus, you have no context. But for those of you who have been a believer for a long time, most of you guys can look back to a prior time where you were either more free, more happy, more full of peace, more full of joy, anything like that. And I'm here to tell you, you didn't just grow up. Adulting just doesn't suck that bad that you're just now not happy. But it's actually through some sort of transaction, maybe through some sort of sin, maybe through some sort of relationship, maybe through some sort of alignment in your life, you actually forfeited something. It's not gone forever. It didn't disappear. It's not to be never had again, but you have to take it back. You have to know Jesus. You have to spend time with Jesus. You have to hang out with Jesus. Guess what? I'm gonna be honest. Like, Two months ago, this is what's hilarious, y'all. Two months ago, whenever the Lord spoke to me, he said this. He said, demons can only find rest in people. And then something happened in my life. And all of a sudden, I couldn't sleep anymore. And it was bad. I was, I was waking up sometimes for hours in the middle of the night. And I just felt attacked in the middle of the night. And I'm like, you don't understand. Like, I'm notorious for sleeping good. Like, I am known. I am known for sleeping good all the time. Never sleep bad. Sleep great all the time. I was losing significant hours of sleep. Talk to any of my close friends, they know. Talk to my pastor, he knows. Talk to other pastors, I told them too. I couldn't figure out what it was. I said, I know it's spiritual. I know it's spiritual. I know the reason I cannot freaking sleep is spiritual. I just don't know what, what it is. And so day after day, I got close to Jesus. And man, I'm gonna be honest. I just became like a spiritual explorer. I just started praying about things like, God, well, maybe is it this from my past? God, is it maybe whenever I did this? God, well, what was happening in that moment? Well, who was I talking to then? Well, what's happening? And I'm like praying. I'm like, Holy Spirit, help me, help me, help me. What is it? What is it? What is it? For two months, for two months, I was not sleeping. Ask Miguel. When I was sleeping, I was sleeping with the lights on. 
it was bad, y'all. Then one night I had a dream. And the Holy Spirit told me what was up. And it's something I didn't think about. And it's something I had never seen. And it's something I never suspected. And I went back. And I fixed that area of my life. And I've been waking up every single morning with a huge smile on my face with some imaginary man handing me like a nomination for best sleep ever. Like, bro, that sleep, nailed it. (laughs) Nailed it. Watched you all night. Didn't even move. That's how I'm sleeping now. But it's really funny because whenever I was going through this, the Lord brought this scripture to me in Matthew 11, 28 through 30. It says, then Jesus said, come to me all who are weary and carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest. I don't know what it is you are missing, but I do know that the answer to whatever you're missing is found in Jesus. And guess what? You might not find it in this next worship song. You might not find it when you go to get prayer. You might not find it when you link up with your accountability partner. You might not find it for another month, but I'm here to tell you that if you will press in to the person of Jesus Christ, and if you will explore a relationship with him and begin depending on him and asking him questions and seeking his will and getting things out of your life that don't need to be there, you will find what it is that was taken from you and you can take it back. And so tonight, I wanna encourage you, whatever it is, make a decision right now. I'm gonna take it back. I'm gonna take it back. I'm gonna take it back. You need to get mad at yourself for allowing yourself to feel so miserable for so long and you need to say, I'm about to take it back. I'm about to wake up early, get into the Word, and I'm going to take it back. I'm going to delete that music, download some worship, and press into God, and I'm going to take it back. I'm going to start serving at that church. I'm going to start tithing. I'm going to start investing in that relationship. I'm going to start discipling someone. I'm going to start praying more, and I'm going to take it back. You can have it. Don't settle for a lesser life. Don't settle for a lesser way of living. Identify what was stolen and go take it back. And it's all found in Jesus. I want you to stand. I think the prayer team is going to the wall. And we have another, we have another song. And I just want to, I just want to pray for you. I, I literally wish that I could look each and every single one of you in the eyes and tell you that you can have it again. And it's, and it's probably not going to be easy. Like, it, it, prob- it might have been really easy to lose something, but it's, sometimes it's really hard to get it back. But it's not impossible. Okay? I want to look you in the eyes and say, you can have it back. Like, you can have it back. You can take it back. Whenever, whenever you press into Jesus, you can take back everything that the enemy has stolen. Take it back. Let's bow our heads right now. And, and I just want to pray for you. And I know I'm not even gonna, we're not even going to like raise hands or anything. Probably most of you guys have something that you're like, man, I really need to take this thing back.
So I'm just gonna pray for everyone. And I want you to identify that thing right now that the Holy Spirit is just speaking to you, that the Holy Spirit has brought to your mind. And know that if the Holy Spirit is gonna be kind enough to remind you of what you lost, then he's powerful enough to get back what was stolen, okay? So I'm gonna pray for you. Heavenly Father, we come to you today and we thank you for the revelation of your word. God, we thank you that you love us. God, we thank you that you care for us. God, we thank you that you see us. And God, we thank you that you promised. God, you promised us that whenever we press into Jesus, whenever we hold on to Jesus, whenever we submit our lives and our wills to Jesus, no matter what we've done, we can take it back. We can get back what the enemy has stolen because we know the one who is powerful enough to enter into the house of a strong man like Satan and plunder his goods. So Heavenly Father, right now we make a decision and this decision is the beginning of a process of taking back what the enemy has stolen from. If this message encouraged you and you want to know more about 318 Live, go ahead and visit our website, 318live.co, and we hope that you have the best day ever.